Hey, welcome to our podcast, Build a Lassie, a show where we talk about relevant topics in our Punjabi community, catered to the current generation. Good luck, guys. Uh, today, we wanted to talk about an important topic, which is what is Punjab? And that's what we're defining this episode as. Uh, I'm Arjun Singh, joined today by Harman Singh and Munveer Singh. And the reason we wanted to discuss this topic is a lot of the other episodes that we want to discuss um, in the future are really, you know, about Punjab and its resources and who has ownership of them and who they belong to. And these all kind of in some way, shape or form boil down to a fundamental question of what is Punjab in the first place? Who are Punjabis? Who are we talking about when we refer to these terms? Um, is it a geographical area? Is it a cultural designation? Is it simply a linguistic categorization? Um, to what extent does religion play a role in defining it, if at all? Um, and I don't think this is just purely an academic conversation. I think this has, you know, real implications for, you know, any conception of Sikh sovereignty, for example, um, discussions about water rights, um, federalism in the Indian context, how much power does the fed the central government versus state governments have all kind of those, the, the question of what Punjab is, um, has implications for all of those topics to the extent relevant. Um, a couple of things I also wanted to mention before we get started, uh, you might hear the terms used, um, Charda Punjab and Lenda Punjab, um, Charda Punjab refers to East Punjab, um, or after the Vand or division, in uh, Uniso Santari, 1947, during the partition of India, um, refers to East Punjab that was created uh, in India, and Lenda Punjab refers to uh, West Punjab or what's in Pakistan. Um, and the words Jarda and Lenda refer to the sun, right? So the sun rising and the sun setting. Oh, interesting. Jarda and Lenda. Um, so the question that I want to pose first really is what is Punjab? Yeah, I think that's actually um, more of a complicated question than you would think. I mean, me being somebody that's uh, from the States or uh, a Western country, I would say I think of Punjab as the current geographic location of what it is today, right? But on that note, you also have to think about the Punjab that is in present-day Pakistan. So there's a lot of people that are in P Pakistan that identify as Punjabi. So it kind of makes you think, like, if you are not in present-day Punjab, does that make you not Punjabi? Um, just at the most basic level, I mean, people have posed this question often. If somebody asks me, what is Punjab? I just say, you know, it translates to the land of the five rivers. So the people and the culture and, and the things that have existed there and exist there today. So both East and West Punjab and the people that live there and the cultures, the culture of that area. Right. But on that note, too, land of five rivers, how many rivers are left in Punjab today? Well, I mean, in, in depends how you carve it, right? And there's no five rivers in either, right? It's It's been split, you know? Yeah. So... Um, you know, that's a really good question. I'm not sure there's actually an answer. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think one thing that can be said is in a variety of contexts, Punjab is actually a very large and very diverse place in almost every sense of Definitely. the word diverse, right? Um, and that's something that I don't think a lot of us have a real understanding of. But I think more or less you guys touched on one basic conception and that's reference to a particular geographic area right it may have cultural implications it may have linguistic you know implications but at some way in some in some way shape or form like a map pops into your head right what you know whether that's indian punjab or or um you know the quote-unquote full punjab i think there are problems with any of these conceptions though right that are kind of maybe uh, over and under inclusive, right? So, for example, you know, Manveer, you mentioned, you know, what we think of as kind of East Punjab, Indian Punjab today, right? Which is the tiny Punjab that is exclusive of Himachal Pradesh and Haryana, for example, which we'll get into a little bit more in a second. Um, and that misses a lot of things, right? It misses Nankana Sahib, the birthplace of Guru Nanak, which is in, you know, Pakistan today. Lahore was the seat of the Sikh Raj, which is the only time Sikhs have had like a sovereign nation in its history, right? That's in Pakistan today, obviously, as well. Um, Maharaja Ranjit Singh was born in Gujarawala, which was which is now a city in, in Pakistan as well. Um, so there are many, and, and, I mean, you know, all of us, I think I certainly do, I'm, all four of my grandparents are actually from 
West Punjab, right? Yeah, and same migrated here. over. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think a lot of us like have at least some family. That's and like I think that's an important site. note to to touch base on because even my grandfather, he migrated to where we currently are in Punjab. Would we not identify as being Punjabi if he had not come to present day Punjab? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a it's a tricky question, right? And then I think that comes to the the other conception, which you know, like for example, Haruman, you mentioned, which I think some people say, well, no, 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 Punjab is the full Punjab, right? Right. Yeah. And 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 when they say that, they kind of mean the butterfly shaped Punjab, which you know is Punjab province under the British, right? Which includes all of what is today the state of Punjab and Pakistan, but then also the state of Punjab in India today, as well as Himachal Pradesh and Haryana. Mm-hmm. And I think this conception is also a little bit. Tricky. Maybe it's more accurate in some ways, but one, those boundaries may have been somewhat, um, you know, based in certain cultural or linguistic categorizations, but they were drawn by the British. Like that yeah. image that we have in our head. It was what's convenient for the it British. It was what's convenient for the British, right? Yeah, exactly. So it like seems a little bit weird that we would say, oh, well, Punjab is what the British decided it was. Right, right? which like that's, brings us to another question. What about the Punjab before the British got here? Well, exactly. So that's Indeed so that's another point. It's right? even bigger, right? That's another one, right? Is it, so, so that's one thing I would say, touching really quickly on the British part, right? One is that, you know, that was a designation by the British, right? It was mm-hmm. just Punjab province. This was like an administrative category for them. It was convenient for them, right? But not only that, if you actually look at um, well, the one thing the British were good at, uh, one of the few things was writing things down and, mm-hmm. you know, getting record sort of keeping. proper record keeping. Right. Yeah. And if you look at we'll link some of these, you know, by the way, so that, you know, audience members can see it. But if you look at some of the linguistic maps that were drawn and, and like, you know, from census data at the time, pre-partition Punjab before 1947, you'll actually see that even then the areas that we now call Himachal Pradesh and Haryana were categorized as being speakers of Hindustani languages, yeah. okay. um, as opposed to what we now consider Punjab, Pakistan, and Punjab, India, which were categorized as Punjabi-speaking areas even back then, right? And I think putting aside for a second the conversation about what is a dialect versus what is a language, and that's a whole <laughs> other discussion that like none of us have enough expertise in. Um, you know, I think that like there's something to be said for the fact that like those areas, you know, may or may not have identified themselves as Punjabi in like an ethnic context or in a linguistic context, right? It's hard to know now, mm-hmm. right? Um, so then people talk about what you just mentioned, both of you guys, which is, you know, maybe actually it's, you know, the only time that we've had like a sovereign Sikh state, which was under Ranjit Singh's empire, right? The Sikh right. Raj before the British. And that is kind of both over and under inclusive as well. So Ranjit Singh's Raj included lands that almost none of us would consider to be part of Punjab. And I think more importantly, people in those areas would Don't not consider, consider themselves Punjabi. Punjabi or Punjabi part of Punjab. Yeah, so yeah. Ranjit Singh's Raj extended all the way to parts of China, to Ladakh, right, with like some Tibetan peoples, um, extended far into Afghanistan and the Pashto areas. Um, and it also excluded... Patiala and some areas of current Indian Punjab that we would almost certainly consider Punjab, right? right? So um, the point I'm trying to make is is like these are all, this is way more complex than I think a lot of us realize. And most of the conceptions that we think about are not fully accurate to some degree um, or or another. Um, I think, you know, a lot of these discussions center ultimately maybe before this even but in some way tie back to partition at least our current understanding of this yeah in 1947 um you know one thing that we mentioned was sort of the linguistic um sort of areas of both east and west punjab but also, I think one of the, as kind of a side note, one of the other things I thought was really interesting when looking at some of these maps was some of the religious, uh, religion, religion-based census data. And um, when transposed onto a map, it actually showed that West Punjab, as it currently is today, was in fact majority Muslim at the time. Yeah. And then in terms of what is now East Punjab, Himachal Pradesh and Haryana were majority Hindu at the time. But perhaps more interestingly, what we now think of as East Punjab and in in the Indian state Doaba even then, and still kind of is today, was majority Hindu. Yeah, Maja was kind of mixed between Sikhs and Muslims. So areas like Gurdaspur and all were majority Muslim. 
areas around Amritsar, kind of obviously, were majority Sikh. And in the full butterfly Punjab, whatever you want to call it, the only area that was majority Sikh really was Malwa. Yeah. That was pretty much it. Um, and Sikhs kind of lived everywhere, but were a majority in very, very few places, which made the question during partition and after partition very tricky in terms of, you know, where do we kind of place six, right? Are they, you know, there was actually discussions about a six state within Pakistan instead of India at the time. Obviously, what ended up happening was it became a, a state within India. And then the question about sort of how much autonomy they get, um, you know, what would be their state language and all these kinds of, of different things when India was on kind of a nationalizing mission became really, really complex for this reason that six made up uh, a majority in very, very few areas and therefore had relatively little political power in certain contexts. Right. So partition, I think, is a whole other subject yeah. that, you know, there's a lot of scholarship on that. None of us are necessarily experts on that. So something we definitely want to get into in the future. But right. I think, you know, for this conversation, I think we kind of wanted to focus on post-1947 um, and you know, as from our three perspectives, right, as Punjabi six, you know, and our kind of community's understanding of what Punjab is, you know, it maybe more uh, sort of recently starts post partition mm -hmm. um, and continues on, you know, until the present day. And one thing that I really wanted to discuss is um, the Punjabi Suba movement. And have yeah. you guys, either of you guys heard of that at all? I'm, yeah. I'm not familiar with it. Yeah, it was uh, when they were trying to fight for a state that was predominantly speaking the language of Punjabi, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think there was a very infamous uh, photo or, or part when, well, didn't the army of India or, or some soldiers entered Harmandir Sahib complex, the Golden Temple, right? They did, actually. So we'll, we'll, we're going to get to that, actually. That's, okay. That was in 1955. That was yeah, actually that was one of... That was during the Punjabi Subha movement? That was during the Punjabi okay. Subha movement. I mean, that's one of the, you know numerous times that Harmandar Sahib has been invaded by some foreign power. And it um, was supported predominantly by Sikhs, right? The Punjabi Subha movement. It was, it was. It was. Right, at the time. And I think that's one of the trickiest parts of the Punjabi Subha movement and where these definitions get tricky, right? I think one thing that we've all noticed, right? We've talked about this just in our own conversations is like this interchangeability, um, accurate or inaccurate, of the terms Punjabi and Sikh, oh, right? Yeah. The, like we, at least in our community, right? I can't speak for Punjabi Hindus or Punjabi Muslims, right? But yeah. I think definitely in the Punjabi Sikh community, we kind of use these terms interchangeably, interchangeably or synonymously yeah, when synonymously. they really aren't in a lot of ways. Yeah. But I think what I want to get into a little bit right now is like why we think they're interchangeable or like yeah, synonymous or in some ways. You know, I've definitely heard that um, from other Punjabis, non-Sikhs, that it almost feels as if Sikhs are like taken upon themselves to be the caretakers of Punjabi culture and Punjabi yeah. language at times, right? 100%. 100%. So... One of the things in talking about the Punjabi Subha movement is there's a bit of a misconception that I want to discuss. And, you know, the partition, you know, there's a lot of debate about whether or not it was a good idea, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Who knows what would have happened if India didn't split into yeah. essentially three countries, right? If you include Bangladesh, East Pakistan. Right. But undeniably, whether or not the result 40 years, 60 years, 100 years down the road would have been good. The actual time of partition was horrific, right? Oh, yeah. Millions of people killed, millions more displaced. It, it was terrible. But I think there's a misconception. I think one thing that I'll, I'll touch upon really briefly and I'll get into more detail is there were actually two Vans of Punjab. Two Vans meaning divisions, right? Mm -hmm. One was in 1947 between East and West Punjab, Pakistan and India. The partition. The partition, yeah. right? And then there was a second one as a result of the Punjab Reorganization Act of 1966. Okay. And this was just regarding East Punjab. West Punjab and Pakistan has remained the same, since, essentially, since 1947. East Punjab was then reorganized in 1966 and split into three different states. Okay. Himachal Pradesh, which is the northeast of Punjab, which is kind of the Pahari, mountainous areas. Uh -huh. uh, what we know as Punjab. And then Haryana, which is southeast of Punjab. So prior to this, they were all one. They were in all one state. One state. So, Within uh, India. Exactly. So prior to this uh, second one, that you said 1955, it was 66. just... 1966. Yeah. It was Punjab was separated first time, Pakistan and Punjab. And then the second one, 1966, they separated Himachal Pradesh and um, Haryana. Haryana from, okay. from... And then our, you know, Present what we Punjab. know as Punjab okay. today, right? Yeah. And then one interesting tidbit is 
during the British time, the two capitals of Punjab were Lahore, which is in modern-day Pakistan, and the summer capital Shimla, which is in modern-day Hamas Pradesh. Yeah. Right. So, in the British province of Punjab, the, the two, two capitals were not in what yeah. we know as Punjab. <laughs> interesting. Which is like a yeah, interesting little tidbit. You know, I appreciate you mentioning that. Um, and but one of the misconceptions I think is that I was alluding to earlier is that this second vand was like a horrible thing that occurred, and it was done to, but like inflicted upon Punjabis to further steal their land from them. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the implication is it was done kind of with malicious intent to harm okay. the Sikh Qom, right? Yeah, I think... I've heard that. Yeah, like there's some kind of background misconception, right? That there's such a tragedy that Punjab was split two times and now there's only, you know, essentially two and a half rivers left in Punjab. And like there's all sorts of different iterations that you hear. So on um, the note, the first time there was a partition, that was um, basically basically because of the British. Before the British left yes, India, they... Exactly. Well, inaugurated. I mean, I don't know. If, I mean, there were many South Asians that wanted a countries based upon religion, right? Like, yeah. the there was a lot of you know Pakistani modern day Punjabi and Pakistani Muslims that wanted their own country. They didn't want to be part of this India's you know predominantly Hindu nation. Yeah. A lot of lot of debate. So, okay. for example, Muhammad Ali Jinnah, who's you know considered like the father of Pakistan, wanted a separate Muslim South Asian state. Mm-hmm. He you know that's what obviously occurred. India at least ostensibly, wanted to be a secular, secular country. But that was also, Jinnah was by no means like the, the only major voice in Pakistan. So there was a very prominent figure, um, I believe his name was Malik Kazir Tiwana, yeah, who yeah. was a Muslim Punjabi, mm-hmm. who was against the concept of a Muslim state, uh, or, a Pakistan. Or religion-based Religion-based, boundaries. exactly. Okay. And wanted actually a secular Punjabi nation you know, where Hindu, Sikh, and Muslim Punjabis could, could live. Um, so that's, that's kind of a, you know, a whole, a whole other topic. But the reality of the, create, the second Vand um, in 1966 and the creation of what we now know as Punjab, um, it's not really the case that this was something that was, like, imposed from the top down from the central government to, like, screw Punjabis over, to screw Sikhs over. That may have been some of the reality down the road but that's not really how how it started yeah my and, question is yeah. like what was the motivation behind exactly that? so and this is kind of enter punjabi suba movement right okay so the punjabi suba movement was a movement that started at the kind of towards the end of partition uh, in its infancy right kind of towards the end of partition um and culminated ultimately as i mentioned um and it's a little complicated what we'll, we'll get into later, but with the Punjab Reorganization Act of 1966. And the Punjabi Subha movement was started by the Shromni Akalidal. And this is the precursor to the Akalidal that we actually have today, the Badal Akalidal. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can see how far that's come. Um, but it was started by this predominantly, vast majority of the members of this party were sick. Um, and this is where I think some of these lines start to get blurred, um, which we'll get into, um, who wanted a Punjabi-speaking state, as Harman kind of alluded to, right? The thing that I also want to emphasize here is that Punjab was not unique in that demand, right? So there's kind of a conception that occurred at the time, um, which we'll get into in a second, but also that kind of persists today, that Punjabis were somehow kind of asking for special treatment. Right. Okay. That, you know, by wanting, you know, a, a state where we use Gurmukhi instead of Devanagari script and, you know, speak a different language, Punjabi instead of Hindi or some dialect mm-hmm. of Hindi, that, you know, oh, these guys are kind of act- asking for something special. It's actually not true. So in British Punjab, there were only a few provinces, Punjab being one of them, and there were only like five or six of them. And there are obviously way more states in India now than there are, than there were provinces in, in Indian uh Uh, British India. Mm -hmm. And the reason is it was actually South Indian states that wanted to create exactly that states based on language. So Tamil Nadu and Telangana and and all of in Karnataka, right? Um, There were similar movements to the Punjabi Subha movement all over South India to create these new administrative divisions based on a shared language, right? So I think that's some useful background. Like the Punjabi Subha movement was was not unique in that regard. Um, But I think there are some additional complications, and this is what we were kind of alluding to with, you know, where does the linguistic categorization end and the religious one begin, right? So one is, 
the whole movement was really supported by the Akali Dal, which was essentially and really still is today a Sikh party, Sikh right? Explicitly Sikh party. Um, so Master Tara Singh, who was a very prevalent figure both during the time of partition and in the Punjabi Suba movement, um, was kind of one of the leaders of, of this movement, you know, as you mentioned. And in his discourse about Punjabi Suba explicitly mentions the survival of Sikhi. Mm-hmm. Um, as a very interesting side note, something that I not, did not know until recently, um, B. R. Ambedkar, the very prominent Dalit leader, was... Yeah. Who wrote a, the constitution. Yeah, who wrote the yeah, constitution. Yeah, yeah. He was a supporter of the Punjabi Suba movement, yeah. despite not being Punjabi, not oh, being wow. Sikh, which I thought was just actually very interesting and I, I did not know. Um, he encouraged Master Tara Singh to, to create this Punjabi-speaking state. Um, and at the beginning, sort of during partition and, you know, when India was kind of figuring out how to reorganize itself, Jalawal Nehru, right, the first prime minister of India, um, had a very famous quote, and I'm going to say it in its entirety here. The brave Sikhs of Punjab are entitled to special considerations. I see nothing wrong in an area set up in the north of India where the Sikhs can also experience the glow of freedom. The reason that's relevant is because he completely backtracked on that statement and would become one of the people who stymied the Punjabi Subha movement a lot mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons, as we'll get into. Um, but to kind of further a couple of other things that I want to read verbatim um, that kind of complicate this picture of what exactly the Punjabi Subha movement was about, there's a manifesto from the Akali Dal at the time. The true test of democracy, this is a quote, the true test of democracy in the opinion of the Shiromni Akali Dal is that the minority should feel that they are really free and equal partners in the destiny of their country. To bring home a sense of freedom to the Sikhs, it is vital that there should be a Punjabi-speaking language and culture. This will not only be in fulfillment of the pre-partition Congress program and pledges, but also, he's referring to, by the way, Nehru's earlier Mm -hmm. quote that I mentioned, but also in entire conformity with the universally recognized principles governing formation of provinces. The Shiromni Akali Dal has reason to believe that a Punjabi-speaking province may give Sikhs the needful security. It believes in a Punjabi-speaking province as an autonomous unit of India. So on that note, that statement that he made, uh, during this time, wasn't there a huge amount of animosity that most Punjabis had after the partition that they felt that they were shortchanged because Punjab was just being getting smaller and smaller and they just weren't recognized? I think that's true. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little hard to, to know exactly what the average person was thinking. I mean, we all have grandparents that we've yeah. talked to. Some of our grandparents don't want to talk about it, frankly. I've definitely mm-hmm. experienced that just because of the trauma. Um, there was a lot of frustration, right? I think in a lot of ways from the conversations I've had is six felt kind of stuck in the middle a lot of yeah. times, right? You have this Muhammad Ali Jinnah is explicitly trying to create a sense of nationalism within this Muslim South Asian state, mm-hmm. is pushing the language of Urdu to kind of unify the country, right? right? More than identification as Punjabi or Balochi or Sindhi, right? And then you kind of have something similar, as we'll get into in a little bit, right. happening in India, right? Where the vast Punjab is still today the only state in India that is majority non-Hindu, right? Th- there are more, way more Muslims in India, for example, than, than Sikhs, mm-hmm. um, but they don't occupy a majority in any state. So Punjab right. is completely unique in that regard, our current you know, part of Punjab. So you could say that the Shromik Ali Dal was pretty much fighting that they would much rather be a majority in a small state than a minority in a bigger Punjab. The exactly. Sikhs, at least. E- exactly, right? Okay. I mean, that's kind of what they were arguing and, and you know, for, for a lot of different reasons. So I think that, you know, what you're saying that... that um, frustration was very real, right? You had the same thing happening in India where now you have kind of this movement to unite peoples um, based on other categorizations, right? It's supposed to be a secular country. Hindi is being, you know, kind of propagated as like some kind of a national language, at mm-hmm. least in the North, right? Um, for example, you know, uh, one thing that I came across was in Himachal Pradesh, in the Pahari areas, Pahari language speaking areas, um, they actually had their own script altogether called Takri. Uh-huh. Um which was actually more similar to Gurmukhi script than Devanagari script, which is the de facto script of Hindi. Um, but that is basically all but extinct now. Um, wow. you, know, it, you know, basically everywhere in North India, aside from Punjab, is speaking, you know, a dialect at best of Hindi, writing in Devanagari script, and it's kind of all become homogenized. Right. Um, so they're essentially fighting for a state that speaks Punjabi. But by doing so, they're essentially fighting for a state that is predominantly Sikh also. It is, right? And, and I yeah. think they're, they're making the argument that they're inextricably linked, right? Okay. They're, they're almost saying, right, based on these quotes, that 
the six can only survive in the context of a Punjabi cultural and linguistic yeah. state, right? Which is a very interesting argument to make, yeah. right? Um, so there are a couple of, at this time, there's there's a lot of tension in Punjab, right? Yeah. And, 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 and in, in the full Charda Punjab, meaning Himachal Pradesh Haryana and what we now know as Punjab. And there are some uncomfortable conversations around this as it relates to religious sectarianism between Sikhs and Hindus in this context, right? I by no means want to paint this as this was explicitly a fight between Sikhism and Hinduism or Sikhs and Hindus. That, that's overly simplistic. But there were definitely certain trends um, that the majority of populations in both groups were, you know, kind of displaying. Mm-hmm. Um and and that's just the reality, whether whether we like it or not. Um, so, starting from as early as the the nineteen the late nineteen forties, shortly after partition, the Arya Samaj, which is a sort of a Hindu reform movement that still you know very much exists today, um, and the Hindu Mahasabha and its kind of allies, actually as a response to this growing Punjabi Subha movement directly after partition pushed for schools in various parts of Punjab to use Hindi as its medium and use Devanagari as its script instead okay. of Punjabi. Um, there was even actually at this point, you know, what roughly translates to into a save Hindi movement in Punjab wow. um, that was really, you know, propagated by a select group of Hindus in, uh, you know, by no means all Hindus, but a select group of Hindus with some power and voice in Punjab. Um, and they did some very interesting things. One of the things that this movement did was in the censuses in Punjab, they encouraged Punjabi Hindus to list Hindi as their mother tongue, as their maboli, mm-hmm. instead of Punjabi. And this was done in the, you know, the every 10 years census, 1951, 61, 71. And in Punjab, so this is well after the second one now, five years after the second one, even in the small Punjab in 1971, of Hindus in Punjab were saying that their mother tongue was Hindi, Mm -hmm. not Punjabi, right? Which was completely different from, I don't have the number in front of me, but completely different from the census data on six in Punjab and what they designated as their mother tongue. Um, And, you know, kind of going chronologically as well, it kind of a little bit forward. The Punjabi Subha movement had lots, many different sort of... uh, landmark moments. There were many different um, versions of what East Punjab would become, how it would be split, what areas, districts, zillas, tasils would be Punjab versus some other states. Um, and, and too much detail to get into here. Yeah. There were there was decades, right, essentially of discourse, almost 20 years of it. Um, but there were some key moments. One of the things was what you mentioned, Harman, which was in 1955. A lot of people don't know this, but as a result of growing agitation, um, you know, because the movement kind of became associated with Sikhi, um, a lot of supporters of the Punjabi Subha movement kind of organized at Darbar Sahib. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was actually a raid, the 1955 Darbar Sahib raid, which was done by the Indian army, uh, as I mentioned, in 1955, as a result of these agitations, um, in which, you know, not nearly as many people as in 1984, for example, but um, a number of innocent people were killed. Many more what were was arrested. What the purpose of this raid? So the, the raid was essentially to quell the Punjabi Subha movement, right? Okay. It, was, it was essentially, you know, the same things, right, as it was, you know, not necessarily terrorism or the, you know, was the alleged motivation in the 80s. But the idea was... There are people who we disagree with, and we want to quell this movement. Okay, right? so essentially, right? a group of individuals against the state. Against the state, yeah. exactly. And, and right. I think the numbers were in the thousands of people that were arrested. The numbers were in the thousands of people that were arrested, even in this one incident. Um, and and a number of innocent, even women and children, were actually mm-hmm. killed by the the Indian military at this time. Um, and just like in the eighties, and just like in other parts of history with the Sikhs this event fueled the movement. So the Punjabi Subha movement became more popular with Punjabis and with Sikhs in particular yeah. after the 1955 Darbar Sahib raid. Yeah, because some people that are neutral about it see this as like, hey, we are getting oppressed. Exactly. Yeah. It confirmed it, right? It yeah. was like, you know, the oppression was maybe this abstract concept in their head before and now it was guns, right? right. And it's like, oh, you know, there is something actually happening here, right? And in... 1957, um, you know, the the Save Hindi movement that I was referring to earlier launched slogans that were 
pretty volatile. So there was one quote that's roughly translated to, we won't study, this is referring to Punjabi, we won't study a crippled language, we won't study a dirty language, we won't study a language made obligatory. Wow. This is a movement that is based in Punjab. Talking about Punjabi. Talking about Punjabi, right? Incredible stuff, right? Super, super volatile. Um, and, you know, these kinds of things, the raid and some of these volatile comments just kept on kind of fueling the Punjabi Suba movement. Um, and one of the really interesting things, right, just like another one of these examples of history repeating itself that I read about, was the movement kept gaining momentum. And on the 29th of May, 1960, um, there was a movement to march, for Punjabis to march from the Punjab countryside to Delhi. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, Delhi, very Delhi similar. Jalo. Delhi Jalo, right? Yeah. Like all over wow. again, right? 2020 and 21. Um, you know, very reminiscent, obviously, of the, or I should say the Kisan Morcha, very reminiscent of this. Um, you know, where there was this, you know, idea of a procession, um, you know, to stop at these different Gurdwari on the way to Delhi, make speeches to support the Punjabi Suba movement and ultimately end up, you know, talking to the central government. Um, and there were a couple of other examples of some of this kind of tension. Um, one of the key figures was a man named Lala Jagatnarayan, who was uh, a Punjabi uh, Hindu and started in 1965 a newspaper called Punjab Kesari. Uh, and ironically, despite its name, it was a Hindi newspaper based in Punjab. Um, written in Devanagari script, um, which is the de facto script of Hindi. Um, And he was another one of these key figures who really encouraged Hindu Punjabis to sort of uh, identify with Hindi as their primary mother tongue and away from Punjabi, hence why he created this newspaper. And he was actually very critical, even within this newspaper, of Sikhs generally. He was not someone that actually even designated between six of different opinions, he was pretty just blatantly against six of almost every walk mm-hmm. of life. Um, and there are a few other things that I think are important to to mention. Um, the turning point really came in 1963 and 1965, though, as well, where you know, we've kind of always known this in the abstract that Punjab and Sikhs have made kind of a disproportionate contribution to the Indian Armed Forces. Yeah. Um, but in 1963 was one of the, in 1962 and 63 was the Indochina, one of the Indo-Chinese wars. And then in 65, one of the Indo-Pak wars. Um, and the Sikh, you know, community, basically the state of Punjab had contributed a massive amount of wealth to the National Defense Fund. Um, and there were obviously you know, innumerable Sikhs who had, you know, died in these wars. Um, And that made it really difficult for Nehru, who now became an opponent of the Punjabi Suba movement and creating a Punjabi-speaking state. You know, the the picture was kind of that these people were traitors, right? That they were anti-India, that they wanted the semi-autonomous status, right? And these wars made it really difficult for them to continue to make that argument. And how you know, can you, how can you say somebody, you know, these group of people are anti-nationals when they're dying for? They're country? literally dying for the yeah. country, right? Yeah. So this, these wars, kind of, you know, all of these factors were just continuing to give the Punjabi Suba movement more and more and more, you know, support. And only after these war efforts, though, did the center, you know, political center, so to speak, at the central level, start to shift towards, you know, hey, maybe we need to we need to listen to these guys mm-hmm. and, and think about, you know, giving them what they want. So the, some interesting stats are, according to the Akalidal records, at least, the number of six that were arrested um, as a result of efforts in the Punjabi Suba movement was 57,129. This is wow. a wow. massive number That's... of people. I, I think that dwarfs the number of people arrested during the Kazan movement, I would have to yeah. guess. Um, I don't know that, but I would imagine. It's a huge, especially considering the population was way less at that time, right? So it's a percentage of population that's massive. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention, because I think it's important, is, it is, you know, as I kind of alluded to, it is true that the Akali Dal and the Punjabi Suba movement were mostly a Sikh-supported movement. Uh-huh. And some of these movements to propagate Hindi were mostly Hindu movements. But I want to really emphasize that it wasn't that simple. So there were some very prominent Hindus. One's uh, name that I came across was Seth Ramnath, 
who was a Punjabi Hindu was for a Punjabi speaking state, right? Similarly, in this same time period, right, the 50s and 60s, uh, a poet named Shiv Kumar Batalvi was writing poetry, right? If you don't know who that is, one of the most preeminent poets of Punjabi language, wrote mostly in Punjabi language, wrote in Gurmukhi script. During the same time period of Lala Jagnarayan and all these movements, and he was a Punjabi Hindu, right? So I think sometimes it's painted and there's a grain of truth to the idea that there was some religious sectarianism here, but it by no means was that simple. It was not a clear-cut black and white Sikhs versus Hindus issue. Um, but I think that I wanted to discuss that because I think, you know, this, um, this kind of shows that, you know, the, the Punjabi Subha movement, which ultimately ended up in Punjab becoming a separate state as we know it today, was something that was actually pushed for by six and opposed by the central government, yeah. right? And Nehru, right? There's a couple of things I, I wanted to mention, though, that kind of closed this part of the story, which is... Though the Punjabi Subha movement was fighting for this state, they actually ended up opposing the final iteration of the Punjab Reorganization Act of 1966. So the legislation, as it was going to be passed and what ended up being passed, they actually opposed it. Mm -hmm. And that was for a few reasons in particular. Um, one was the way that it implemented um, resource allocation, right? Okay. So the power and irrigation projects. Obviously, what does that lead to down the line? SYL, as you know, we've been kind of talking about. And the amount of control that states would have versus the central government over water resources, over other natural resources, and you know, between the states. What about Chandigarh? That's another one. That's another huge one. So one of the other ones is in Punjab doesn't have its own capital. Haryana and Punjab share a capital, Chandigarh, which is a union territory, meaning administratively, at least, it is not part of either state. And they're the only states that don't have their own capital, right? That's completely unique in all of India, right? So Punjab doesn't have its own political center. What is the purpose of that? Well, I mean, I think, I mean, if you look at the history of Chandigarh, it's very interesting in itself, right? It was, it's one of the quote unquote planned cities of India, right? right? right. Mm -hmm. It was created post partition. A French architect, I believe, who, yeah, a civil engineer who kind of drew it up. Yeah. So, so it's a very interesting city. And it's planned to the point where I believe the roads don't even go north, south, east, west. They go northeast, um, and and the reasoning behind that is they don't want the suns and the the sun in the eyes while you're driving your car. At least that's what I heard. You know, I, I, I didn't actually know that, but now that you think about it, that is how the roads are. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. it's it's planned to that point. But um, and I don't know on top of my head how many pins they they took the land of. But Chandigarh, when it was created, they took the land of Punjabi farmers, right? They took the land of they got rid of so many pins and, uh, you know, I think it's something, you know, I don't know how many square miles it is, but it's a pretty big city. Yeah. So there's this idea that, you know, it was, they took our land and, and created the city. But if you look at the demographics of Chandigarh, I don't know on top of my head what it is. It is not predominantly Sikh. I believe it's predominantly Hindu. There's a significant no, amount of absolutely. Sikhs there. Um, and, and it's not even, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a high percentage of non-Punjabis there, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it, I mean, it's like the city with like the highest standard of living in India. Yeah, exactly. yeah. The people move there from all over the place. Yeah. So I, th I think that was one of the biggest things. Like Haryana, Haryana also wanted Chandigarh and so did Punjab. And, and right. they decided on doing this very interesting union territory where it's neither and yet both and also the yeah. capital of both. Exactly. And one of the other things was kind of just the, the, you know, which was maybe inevitable, which was the boundary drawing, right? Mm -hmm. So there were areas that became part of Himachal Pradesh and Haryana yeah. that were pretty clearly Punjabi-speaking and Sikh, yeah. uh, you know, culturally, linguistically, religiously. Uh, Una in Himachal Pradesh is one, and in Haryana, Ambala is, it, isn't Sirsa is also one area. Sirsa to a certain extent as well. Yeah. Um, Ambala was kind of the major one that was fought over, which became which were excised from Punjab, but were, you know, people were kind of upset about, about those two. So the implementation of it was not what the Punjabi Subha movement had in mind, even though the concept is something that they had, mm -hmm. they had pushed for. Um, and I think the question that I want to kind of discuss with you guys is, you know, whether or regardless of who the, you know, second Vand in 1966 can be attributed to, was it a good idea, right? I think if you ask people on the street, they might tell you, you know, again, this was some horrible tragedy and, you know, Punjab should never have been split again, yada, 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 right? But 
I mean, I think there are a couple of things to keep in mind. Punjab, the tiny state of Punjab today, is still only 58% sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the f- number I found was right at partition uh, in 1947 when Punjab was one with him also Pradesh and Haryana, Jardha Punjab province, was 35% sick. So okay. let's assume that it would roughly have stayed the same, which may or may not be the case, right? It may, we may have gone up, we may have gone down, you know, as a percentage of population since 1947. But, I mean, what do you guys think? Do you think that it made sense? Yeah, I mean... I think it made sense. Um, one big question, or I guess we don't know what we don't know. We can look mm-hmm. at absolutely. Pun- we can look at Punjab today and say, look, in '66 they cut it up, and today Punjab, I mean, is is doing much better than many states, but it's not yeah. doing as well as many states either. Right. But we don't know how it would be doing if it was still one big state. Right. No. We can't say that it's doing worse now than it would have if it wasn't one big state. But one thing is is definitely true, and and, and that is that. Not only do Sikh issues, but Punjabi issues are, are really important in Sikh. I mean, in Punjab, right? So, meaning that if it was Jardha Punjab in its entirety, the Sikh issues would not be at, at the forefront of the political issues that mm-hmm. they're talking about. Sure. Because right. they only, you know, it's towards only one mi- minority. Right. So, I personally, based upon what I've read and, and what you've said here today, I think it was a good thing. That's, that's my vote. For to your question. yeah, for for the idea of giving a more central platform for the Punjabi Sikh issues, yeah, and, right? And, and the disclaimer there is, if it's a black and white question, was it good or was it right. bad? No, yeah. And yeah, and I mean, plenty of nuance to it, right? Yeah, there's definitely nuance there, but just that simple binary question, my answer has to be yes. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a abstract question too, because there's a lot of pros and cons in both. Yeah. So if you look at another view, it's uh, let's look at one of the big issues in Punjab, the water issues, right? So one of the big things is they're diverting a lot of water resources, and that's um, really bad for the majority of the farmers in Punjab. But the argument, I'm sorry to interject, but the argument there would be that if it was started up Punjab in its entirety, well, right, it's all Punjab. Exactly. Exactly. Right? exactly. So if... Let's say there wasn't the second fund. Would it really be bad? Would it be an issue to divert water resources from one area of Punjab to another? They I think they'd have a much stronger argument. Yeah, they right, could right? justify it easily. They right, could justify exactly. it easily. But now it's basically you're taking water resources away from Punjab. The they look a lot worse yeah. now. Yeah, yeah right? of course. Like, yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, the, the, the situation right now when you're taking water resources away from the current geographical Punjab, of course, it's not a good thing. But let's say... It was all one. Would it be an issue? I don't think it would because you're just diverting from one area yeah. to another. Yeah. It'd be very hard to make the argument. And then yeah. another, another thing I want to touch upon is just the language issue. Mm-hmm. Punjabi is spoken in Punjab. Yeah. And majority of people speak it as their native language. Whereas if you look at West Punjab in Pakistan, I would say I, I'm not I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I do believe that a majority of them speak Punjabi, but at a declining rate. Many of them are starting to speak Urdu. Many of the younger, many of my friends that are whose parents came from Pakistan, they don't speak Punjabi. Whereas majority of my friends that came, whose families came from Eastern Punjab, Punjab, India, all of us can speak um, at, at a pretty fluent level. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, my view, I think it's it goes. I'm in the middle with it. I mean, in terms of the conservation of. Uh, Punjabi being the Punjabi culture and the Punjabi language, um, I think it it was good because it didn't dilute the language. But in the sense of leaving uh, Punjab with less resources, I think it was bad. So yeah. um, it's it goes hand in hand, like how you look at it. You know, the angle you look at it, it's good in some ways, it's bad in some ways. Yeah, but if you had to yeah. answer the question, what would you say, Mandir? Oh man, um, <laughs> you know what? I would, I would. <sighs> It's hard to say. I okay. would say I, I wouldn't be able to say if it's a good thing or and a bad Arjun, thing. Arjun, what about you? Would I would you say so. I would say kind of to summarize what you guys are saying. I mean, and consolidate. So I would say it's good on okay. balance. Um, you know, the, again, putting aside also the question, uh, you know, about the nuance about implementation. I think it could mm-hmm. have been implemented yeah. a lot better right. Right? if we had our own capital. If we, you know, some of those things, you know, had some of those areas that you know we consider to be Punjab proper, right, Ambala right. and stuff like that. Um, but. You know, I think there are a couple of things, right? One is I would, you know, if we're talking about propagation of Punjabi language and writing system, if we're 35% of the population, that's not happening, right? We're getting voted out in the state, you know, uh, 
Punjab Legislative Assembly of Jharkhand Punjab were getting voted out mm-hmm. of that every time, right? Yeah. Like they have a super majority, right? You know, interests that you know want to propagate Hindi, for example. Um, we'd all probably be speaking Hindi, right? Mm-hmm. And like writing Devanagari if that was the case, right? If we didn't have the second one, I think that's that's yeah, the a not favorable thing we could right. say, right? Yeah. I think we could agree on that. It was good for the conservation of right and, for for a culture yeah. and language, right? Yeah. The second thing I would say is resources, like you said. I'm not convinced that some of these resource sharing issues would not happen if we were in one area, right? I think like you said, the argument from the central government would be stronger if it was one state that, hey, what are you guys complaining about? Mm -hmm. We're just diverting water from one area of Punjab to another. You know, these are your Punjabi brothers and sisters. Why are you getting mad about this, right? Um, There's no indication to me that they would not have done SYL if... Punjab was one area. They probably would have had a further incentive because the optics are not as bad. Exactly. Um, so I'm not sure necessarily that Punjab loses resources necessarily. I'm not. I mean, I hard to say. I, yeah. Um, I see what you know, you're the rivers start There's in Himachal no Pradesh. Now we don't really have control of them at all. Would we have had control of them anyway? I don't know. I mean, it's the, it's the hard consequences to say. would have just been as bad as it is. Yeah, as they as may as have well. worried. Yeah. Again, it's like a hindsight 2020 thing. We don't really know, um, but. I think the other thing also um, is this, I think there's the other argument that I don't think you guys mentioned explicitly, but touched upon, which is like this idea that like Punjab, as a result of being smaller in terms of population now also has fewer seats at the federal level. Yeah. Right. That to me also is like not a great argument because I agree. It's, it has fewer seats, but it's not clear to me that if it was inclusive of those areas, Himachal Pradesh and Haryana, it would continue to have the same interests, right? right. Like, so it's like, so it's like saying like, like, like you know, California is very liberal. Utah and Arizona are very conservative. Like uh, ignoring the population size differences for a second. Let's say that at one time there was greater California that included both of those states. It's like, okay, then yeah, California has more electoral votes, mm-hmm. but it has this huge conservative chunk, right? Right, Like that California is not the same thing as what we think of as California, right? Yeah. Which is yeah. like this liberal bastion, and, right? And also there's a bit more accountability with it, right? Like yeah. now the sick Punjabi leaders are running Punjab, right? right? And and we can't point our fingers at a different group or and that's say a great in, point. I didn't even yeah. think about that. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's like so I mean the interests are getting all the recognized. good things and all the bad things that happen in there and you know, it's Punjabi Sikhs that are I mean we don't make up all of Punjab, but we are the majority now. Whereas what these Sikh Every part, CM has been a Sardar, right? right? You know, there's been no Hindus so it kind of allows CMs allows us to take ownership I, I of what's going on. I don't know if that's on. true. Is that not true? I don't, okay, let's I'm not let's fact check sure that. that yeah. the, I don't think every chief minister of Punjab has been. At least that I know of. I, I may be wrong on that one. It, Could be wrong. In, in our uh, if we're wrong, we'll link in the description. Of, yeah, yeah <laughs> but, but one thing is, you know, the Shromi Kali Dal, you know, the Sikh party that rule. I mean, they don't currently rule Punjab. They have ruled Punjab for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not they represent the Sikhs, that's another question. That's another question. But the fact that it's the Sikhs party that's running Punjab, then we ourselves are accountable. Yeah, you right? can only point right. the fingers at ourselves, right? Exactly. Which is, you know, maybe a good thing in some ways, right? I mean, you, you know, who to blame, I guess. Um, one thing that I think would be really interesting, just as like a side note, is, you know, the extent that religion plays a role in identity when Mm -hmm. it comes to like considering yourself Punjabi. So I don't know about you guys. I don't know anyone who is from Himachal Pradesh or like identifies as Haryanvi. I can tell you that I've met some Sikhs from Haryana, like they Mm -hmm. grew up in Haryana and they very much identify as Punjabi. Yeah. Yeah. They don't identify as Haryanvi Sikhs. Um, I don't think I've met a Hindu who identifies like particularly as Haryanvi. Um, I wonder if what they would identify as. I honestly don't. I honestly don't know. Um, I don't know if you've met anyone like in either of these categories who could. But like I, I don't. Definitely I, I every do Sikh know, I've met from I Haryana do, identifies do, as Punjabi. Just anecdotally, I do know some people that identify as being from Haryana. Yeah. But they are ethnically, they ethnically identify as being as Punjabi. Yeah, exactly. Um, and on a side note, just really quickly, I did fact check our last point. From 1966, all the chief ministers of Punjab, based upon my quick research, have been Sikh. And, um, but prior to that, um, out of the first 10, 
um, from 1947 to 1966. There were quite a few that weren't Sardars or even sick. So, and that was, and to see that kind of goes to our point, right? Yeah. In terms of like leadership, right? That was before the Reorganization Act. So exactly makes makes perfect sense. Um, um, no, that's super interesting. Um, so back to your question, you're asking yeah. using uh, religion is is being Punjabi and being sick is it yeah being used synonymously. So like I, I wonder, well, I wonder to the extent right I mean, which someone's religion determines how they identify, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So if they're like not all Punjabis are sick, but almost all Sikhs are Punjabi. Yeah, that's that's also true, right? Yeah, I mean, I think you know the whole point of this discussion really was exactly that, right? Like you know, it's clear that these two terms are not the same. There are Punjabi Hindus, there are Punjabi Muslims. And of course, you know, like you said, almost all Sikhs are Punjabi. There are some Sikhs that aren't, right? But it's clear what it, for, you know, whatever way you want to cut it, these are not the same term. But I think, you know, this discussion kind of paints some picture as to why we think of it that way, right? Like the reasons, you know, the history behind, you know, why these two terms do kind of get mushed together. Um, because there was such a prominent Sikh-based movement to preserve Punjabi language and culture, at least in India. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, this question that we started with, what is Punjab, you know, and we had this discussion about, honestly, probably raises more questions than it answers. Um, You know, I don't think we really came away today with a conclusion, nor did we really expect to. Um, But I think it's food for thought. I think, you know, it's something that, you know, all of us should really be thinking about as we think about some of these larger issues that pertain to Punjab and Punjabis. Um, and I think they're going to come up repeatedly in different contexts in you know, our upcoming episodes. Yeah, it's a pretty abstract idea, but we're going to be talking about it a lot more in detail. So stay tuned for more episodes and we're going to just try to dissect this the best we can. Thank you so much for tuning you, in, guys. guys. Yep.